0: continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
1: This week on the Chicago Bears Review. The end of the 2016 season is finally upon us. But before it ends, our beloved have a chance to get to 500 in the division and complete their first season sweep of the Vikings since 2011. Can the Bears end the season on a high note, or will they just stumble to the finish line? Chris Gates from SB Nation's Daily Noiseman joins us on the Week 17 preview episode. Up the Chicago Bears review. It is the beginning of the end, the end is finally here, week 17 of the 2016 season, by far one of the more disappointing seasons we've had to suffer through as Bear fans and in recent memory, and it will finally come to an end on Sunday when our beloved take on the Minnesota Vikings to close out the year. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back for the week 17 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review, and, um, You know, like I said, quick turnaround. You're listening to this on Thursday night or sometime on Friday, depending on when I got around to editing the Chris Gates uh, interview to get ready uh, uh, for it. And, um, you know, we had our our quickie review of that god-awful Redskins game for Week 16, and we move on to Week 17 with an eye on the future. You know, um, it's, um, you know, like I said, been a very trying Season, the difficulties with injuries, the poor play on offense, inconsistency on defense, uh, especially in the last several weeks. I mean, either the pass rush was there and somebody was wide open in the secondary or the secondary was doing its job, but the pass rush couldn't get to the quarterback. I mean, just a mind-numbing set of circumstances with the defense. 19 guys on injured re- injured reserve uh this season it's a significant guys too you know eddie goldman uh you know kevin white lamar houston i mean people that were looked to be counter jay cutler for christ's sake kyle long i mean just one after the other i mean and it it all started with heronis grassu uh in the beginning which turned out to be a blessing in disguise because we discovered uh, our center of the future in Cody White here. That's really one of the more intriguing questions going into the offseason is what happens to Jaronis Grasso now? Do we try to teach him how to be a guard? Do we have a legitimate backup center? Do we try and trade him? You know, I mean, what do we do with him uh, going forward? But, um, you know, that's, another quest- that's a question for another time, maybe the year in review episode uh, and seeing I'm still making plans on what it is I want to do. Uh, with that show but um, regardless here we are getting ready to uh, polish the turd one last time and send it out onto the field on New Year's Day uh, this coming Sunday so um, you know I never thought that after 2014 that I would run into another at least not this quickly anyway that I would run into a season where I, I can honestly say I can't wait for it to be over you know, I, I, I'm I'm a diehard football. I mean, football is my life. I have loved the game as long as I can remember. I've loved the game even before I had memories. I love the foot. I love football. I have pictures of me, uh, you know, in a little plastic helmet kicking footballs in my living room when I was three years old or something like that. I mean, it goes way back. My obsession with this game, and uh, it's been such an exhausting year. You know, and it's it's just one of those ones that I, I'm really looking forward to the end of the season. You know, I am. I just want to put this, this whole year behind me. 2016 has not been a very good year for me at all. You know, on a personal level, on, you know, especially with the Bears and everything. I mean, that's literally the Cubs, the only bright spot in my entire life in 2016. <laughs> so I'm just so ready to close the book on this year. And, um, you know, we got to suffer through one more season, one more week of the season, and then we can move on to 2017. Everyone can stop bitching and whining about the Bears winning or losing games to keep or lose draft stock. And we can start looking at free agency, the cap space the Bears are going to have, who's not going to return in two, 2017, so on and so forth, whether it be coaches or You know, all that kind of stuff. So what do you say we go ahead and dive right in? I got a couple of news uh, figures before we bring in our guest, uh, Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman, to talk about the Bears and the Vikings. Going to be an interesting conversation that we have with Chris because, uh, you know, I'm going to mention that, you know, we didn't get a chance to talk to him before the Monday night game. One of the questions I was going to ask was, you know, did the, the, the Eagles expose the Vikings, you know, because that was – they lost. They, they were undefeated the week before they played the Bears. They were 5-0. and They went into Philly and they lost. Then they come into Chicago 5-1, and probably looking for that revenge win and ended up getting blown out of the water against the 1-6 team uh, going into its bye week. So, I mean, th- you know, did the Vikings get exposed by Philadelphia? Was it just a bad day? Now we're going to be more on on the lines. I you'll probably hear me say these exact words. What the hell happened to this team? You know, what happened to it? Did, did the loss of Teddy Bridgewater finally catch up? Did the mediocrity of Sam Bradford and so on and so forth? We'll get Chris to answer all those uh, questions for us. But, um, you know, one very interesting news note that came out this week, um, one that's been talked about even by me, Uh, at points uh, throughout the season as far as, you know, people having an eye on replacing Jay Cutler in 2017 one way or the other. I think we can all agree he's probably done in Chicago. Whether you agree with that or not, I would, you know, I, I toil back and forth on that all the time, you know, because it comes back to the same argument or conversation that we just had with Jen Filsinger about Kirk Cousins, on uh, the preview episode, who is out there that's better than what we have in Jay Cutler? Inconsistencies and, you know, warts and all, who's better for the Bears than what's out there? And the stupid answer, of course, is anybody, and that's absolutely wrong, and you know it. You know it's not right. Anybody but Jay Cutler would be better. That's absolutely incorrect. That's not true, and you know it, so stop being an idiot. But, you know, who's out there that's better? One of the options that's been there even before the season started was Jimmy Garoppolo, a, a local kid from the Illinois area, went to Illinois uh, Eastern Illinois, drafted in the second round by the Patriots, had a pretty decent um, you know start to the season. Uh, started the uh, for the Patriots in the first few games uh, of the year, led them to victories over Arizona uh, and so on in the beginning of the year. while Tom Brady was on suspension. Uh, the news came out this week, the rumored price, the asking price for Jimmy Garoppolo in the offseason has become has become common knowledge, or the rumor is out there, and the Patriots are going to be looking for a first and a fourth round pick, pretty much what the Vikings got or gave up for Sam Bradford to get him away from the Philadelphia Eagles is what the, the Patriots are reportedly going to be asking for to get him uh, away from them, and... I know there are some of you out there saying, absolutely, make that trade right now. Um, no, absolutely not, because that's, if if the Bears were picking 18th, you know, hell, if the Bears are picking anywhere in the teens, 13, 14, 15, whatever, you know, if the Bears are picking in that area uh, of the rounds, yeah, I would say go for it. Why not? You know, we've we've not had the best record with first-round picks um, lately. I mean, Kyle Long, yes. Um, Kevin White, not yet. Leonard Floyd is um, a yes and a no guy at the same time, having trouble staying healthy, but when he's on the field, he's been productive and progressing throughout his rookie season. He's been getting better and better. But as far as the Bears hitting on first-round picks has not been the best yeah not not good but right now the bears are sitting at number three so you're telling the telling the bears that it's that we should be giving up the number three overall pick and the you know depending on how they do it uh you know because sometimes they like teams with the same finishing record they rotate them as they go through the round so maybe the bears would be number three in the first round but they'll be number four in the second round because they swap places with Jacksonville, who was also three and thirteen or what have you. But you're you're asking the Bears to give up the number three overall pick and the third and or you know, the third or fourth pick in the fourth round, which is basically a late third rounder, uh, you know, to, to for the quarterback. And I I can't get behind that. That's too expensive, in my opinion. The number three overall pick, if the Bears are going to make the trade, that's the only pick they give up is number three. You know, that should be good enough to get Garoppolo uh, in, 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 you know, and, that, and, and I absolutely do not want the Bears to do that, period. I don't want them to do that. But, you know, where, with the Bears where they're sitting, the first-round pick alone should be more than enough. You know, as a matter of fact, their second-round pick should be enough to get Garoppolo uh, in there. You know, the third overall pick in the, I mean, the third pick in the second round, you know what kind of talent is usually still sitting on the board when you're still in the top five of the second round? You're getting guys that shouldn't have fallen out of the first round, but somehow did at the top of the second round. That's what you're getting at that spot. That should be good enough to get Garoppolo on its own you know it's it's a it's a conversation to have for teams that are in the teens and later stages uh, of the first round but when you're a team like the bears that's going to finish and probably no worse than fourth overall uh, in the, in the first round you know i would say i would say that our second round pick should be enough you know you're basically getting a late first round pick you know for for a, you know you're picking third or fourth in the second round you know, the talent that's going to be there at the end of the first at the end of the first round, the top of the second is always, you know, like, wow, I can't believe this guy is still here, you know, kind of thing. And the Patriots, with the way that they pick, uh, is probably going to be somebody that's going to make place for him. So I would I would say that uh, with the way that the Bears are sitting, our second round pick should be enough to get Garoppolo if we're going to make that trade. Give up the first-round pick, and I want Ryan Pace fired immediately. (laughs) You give up the third overall, third or fourth overall pick in the draft for Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, pack your suitcase and get the hell out of town because you've officially lost your mind. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, if the Bears were in the mid-rounds, in in, in the middle of the round, anywhere from the teens to the latter stages, absolutely, first and fourth-round pick, go ahead and do it you know because the quarterbacks in the draft aren't going to be there you know when the bears are picking uh so go ahead and make that trade he's you know proven himself he, he you know he helped lead the the patriots to some wins uh in his time i'd say go ahead and make that trade uh otherwise um with the bears and where they're going to be picking absolutely not first a first round pick alone is too expensive and then you tack on a mid-round pick on top of that with where the bears are picking in the draft like i've said already the second round pick alone should be enough maybe like a second and a sixth round pick should be what the bears would offer from where where they're where they're actually picking from that should be enough to entice the patriots if that's the deal you know but if the first if the if the bear if the patriots want to you know, aren't going to budge from that first rounder, then the Bears should take themselves out of the running immediately. So that's my two cents uh, on that situation. So, And then finally, I I hope this isn't one of those uh, me thinks the lady protests too much kind of thing. But, um, you know, ever since the rumor of uh, John Fox and Vic Fangio not getting along has come out, uh the coaches have had to come out pretty much on a weekly basis and restate the fact that nothing is wrong between them their relationship is good and everybody wants to come back for 2017 Vic Fangio reinstating that again this week you know like vehemently stating that he plans to be back in 2017 with the progress that the defense has made despite its shortcomings and the, you know despite the injuries and everything, the Bears are still going to be somewhere near the top ten in total defense when the year ends. That's outstanding, considering what we've had to go through uh, this year. Um, you know, it, it's uh, it's progress that sh- would be impeded if anybody else had to take over. If Vangio were to leave, he's the architect, he's the, the guy that's put these guys in a position to do things, Um you know we need second we all we need is is if we if we redo the secondary cuz that's basically the one big thing that's killing us right now is the secondary i mean the washington game is proof of that uh, alone where uh, as, jeff, as jeff dickerson has said a couple of times over the last few weeks the bears are a secondary away from having an elite level defense if we go out there and improve the secondary in the off season, whether it be by free agency uh, or through the draft I would prefer free agency at this point but um, you know maybe both if we if we can pull it off but um, you know we're a secondary away from an elite level defense Fangio should be the guy that gets a chance to see what he can do with them in 2017 so because Fangio made a really great quote uh, a couple of weeks ago When, you know, basically talking about the team that he inherited when they came in the 30th, 31st ranked defense, two years running when he took over in 2015. Um, He's like, you know, obviously the team that we had wasn't built for a three, four, but he's he doubled down on it and said this team wasn't suited for a four, three. He's like, that's how bad the defense was when he took it over last season. You know, that's how bad they were. They We didn't even have personnel for a 4 3 defense. We just had bodies, you know, is basically what he said, which I thought was awesome because <laughs> with the way the Bears played defense in 2013 and 2014, no truer statement could be made. You know, we, we really didn't have, obviously, we didn't have 3 4 personnel, but we didn't really have 4 3 personnel either. So, um, you know, an excellent point made by Fangio. And I just, I loved him for saying that. And it was, I thought that was hilarious uh, when he said it. So, but just to play the devil's advocate, God forbid that you know the Bears actually let the truth come out and they aren't getting along. So Fangio does leave for greener pastures and goes off to do it somewhere else. Why not Rex Ryan at this point? You know, let him come back and uh, see if he can't rekindle his dad's legacy as uh, a uh, you know a, an all-time defensive coordinator under the Bears banner the Bears are a 3-4 team that's the defense that Rex Ryan specializes in why not bring him in if Vic Fangio leaves he just got let go by the Bills and um you know I don't know if Rex Ryan would do it considering that that was actually a statement he made at his Buffalo press conference was that he was surprised that he didn't at least get a phone call from the Bears uh before the 2015 season uh when when we hired John Fox instead uh, the Bears didn't even call to interview uh, Rex Ryan uh, for the head coaching position. Um, so, you know, would he would he want to come to a team that didn't even consider him for their head coaching uh, position? Um, would he maybe he just want to take a year off before he gets back into coaching again? Um, you know, that kind of thing. So I'd be interested to see what Rex Ryan does going forward. But I think that would be a fun option to have Rex Ryan as the defensive coordinator where he was – you know, on legendary status before taking over as a head coach in New York and then Buffalo uh, where he's got a losing record in six seasons uh, as a head coach. But, you know, God forbid Fig Fangio has to go, the Bears can't lowball their next defensive coordinator. they got to aim high. You know, so if Todd Bowles eventually, if he gets let go uh, by the Jets, they're leaning towards him coming back, but they're 4-11 and and the locker room is disintegrating before their eyes, so – Maybe they do make a change there. Or if Rex Ryan, uh, you know, is open to it, we got we to gotta shoot high for defensive coordinator. Just like I think if Mike McCoy becomes available, if the Chargers end up letting him go on Black Monday next week, that Mike McCoy coached under John Fox in Denver before he took over in San Diego, that's definitely a guy we should be giving a call to take over as offensive uh, coordinator. I I You know, the way that Dole Loggins has wasted his resources this year, granted, he's had to deal with a lot of injuries as well on the offensive side uh, of the ball, but the fact that, you know, it doesn't take a genius to see that when you put the ball in Jordan Howard's hands, we win a lot of football games. Um, You know, the three games that we've won, all three of them have the one thing in common of Jordan Howard rushing the football over 20 times in each game. We are 0-12 when he doesn't, so... You know, maybe it is just that simple. Put the ball in Jordan hands 20 times on Sunday against the Vikings will probably come away with a a victory. So, um, you know, put the ball in and give the ball over to Mike McCoy. Let him take over as offensive coordinator and see what happens there. So, I don't know. Just an idea while we're tashing things out here. But if uh, Fangio does not uh, stick around, maybe Rex Ryan wants to be the defensive coordinator for the Bears and earn his way back to a head coaching position that way. Or maybe he'll he'll be like Wade Phillips and realize that he's much better on the one side of the ball than he is running an entire football team, so who knows i mean i'm pretty sure that uh wade phillips isn't uh isn't hurting for money uh these days, so uh you know probably making more than some head coaches out there uh, as the d c uh in denver, and um you know proving over and over again just how valuable he is at that position so Anyway, those are my news and notes uh, for this week. And, uh, you know, if the Bears want to entertain the idea of trading for Jimmy Garoppolo, our conversation should start with the second-round pick. The first-round pick should never be uh, in the discussion. You do not trade the number three overall pick away, you know, unless you're – I mean, if they want to throw – here's an interesting conversation. If the Patriots want to give up their first-round pick – along with Garoppolo, then maybe, you know, the Bears would have to do something to stockpile picks as well. You know, it's not going to be, oh, the Bears give up a first and a fourth rounder for Jimmy Garoppolo. No. With the with the weight that the Bears are holding in the draft, it's going to be uh, the Bears get uh, Garoppolo and New England's second round pick, uh, you know the the New England's first and second round pick and Jimmy Garoppolo and the Bears give up the third overall pick and the you know their fourth rounder as it's it's got to be something like that okay that's just it's too heavy on one side and like you know if if it were a scale it's too heavy on the Patriots side and way too light on the Bears side as far as what we're getting in return uh you know it's just um it's not enough so that's why that conversation is a non-starter Uh, in my opinion. So, anyway, that's going to do it for the uh, news and notes section. We'll go ahead and uh, invite our good friend Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman and SB Nation to talk to us for Week 17, the season finale, between the Bears and the Vikings this Sunday. And here to join us for the Week 17 preview, the season finale for 2016, and, and and a season that's coming to a merciful end for both of our franchises. Got off to very different starts, but uh, we're happy to finally have him on this year. We didn't get a chance to talk to him before the Week 8 Monday night game. Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman. Chris, welcome back to the show.
0: Thanks for having me, Larry. It's good to be back.
1: So, Chris, there was a question that I wanted to ask you the very first time that we were supposed to have you on, and the question was: You guys started out five and zero, then you went to that, then you went to Philadelphia, lost the first game of the season, and this was a question I wanted to ask you before the Monday night game uh, against the Bears was. You know, did the Vikings simply have a bad day that day, or did Minnesota, or did the did the the Eagles expose the Vikings or you know, show the NFL the blueprint on how to beat the the, the 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 seemingly unbeatable Vikings at that point in the season?
0: Well, at the time I would have assumed that, you know, it was just one off day. I mean the the Eagles had the you know, motivation of playing against their former quarterback and you know, they had gotten off to a decent start themselves and then they lost a couple in a row before the Vikings came to town. But the thing that the Eagles really exposed about the Vikings is the fact that this offensive line can't block anybody. I mean, they've just been awful for the most part all year uh, from what we've seen from pro football focus. And we don't even need pro football focus. We see just from watching the games week to week. Uh, TJ Clemmings has no business playing at left tackle in the National Football League. Uh, They tried Jake Long for a little while, and he was just starting to come around. So, of course, he got injured, as Jake Long usually does. And, you know, that was the main thing that came out of that game against Philadelphia. It showed that this offensive line uh, just is incapable of putting together any sort of pass protection. And, you know, teams started to key on that from that point. The Bears keyed on that the next week. And, you know, that's basically where the season fell apart because, Defensive coordinators could watch this offensive line and say, hey, we can beat these guys relatively easily. And that's just what's happened all season long.
1: Because I, I was looking at the the schedule, uh, you know, and the results and everything that's gone down. And the offense really tapered off after that first five games. I mean, I, I did the math and you guys scored 120 points in the first five games. And in the 10 weeks since, you've totaled 170 you know, So you're averaging 24 points a game when you started out 5-0. and You're averaging 17 points a game in the last 10 weeks, and, and you're saying the offensive line is the key reason for the offense suffering since that point.
0: It, that is the primary culprit. I mean, we had the change of offensive coordinator when after the Bears game, North right. Turner just kind of decided to skip town for whatever reason, and Pat Shermer took over from there. But, I mean, it seems like the offense has been more efficient. Uh, under Shermer I mean Sam Bradford I think is playing fairly well and putting up numbers and that sort of thing but you know it's just the inability sus- to sustain drives uh there's there always seems to be a penalty at absolutely the least opportune time and you know things like that will uh, will shut down your offense in a hurry and we've seen a lot of that over the last uh, 10 games
1: well you've just accurately described the Bears offense uh right there it's an Not able to sustain drives, always seem to uh, produce a penalty at the worst opportune I mean, not that there's ever really a good time for a penalty, but it, I know exactly what you mean when you say, like, the worst possible moment. Oh, so-and-so finally broke this great, uh, you know, this great player. We finally got that deep ball we've been looking for, that nice run from so-and-so, only to have it called back for a holding penalty, or one of the linemen got their hands into the face and couldn't get it out of there in time, and so on and so forth. So having those costly mistakes come along, even at the moment where you think your offense is finally getting things going that definitely sounds like the tail of the tape for the bears on offense uh as well so the thing I've, i did notice is that um regardless of how the offense has been playing it you necessarily can't blame it on sam bradford i mean he he's uh i mean not exactly racking up the yards but 71 percent completion rate 17 touchdowns only four interceptions on the year so for the most part sam bradford's has been a bright spot on the offensive side
0: i i would definitely have to say so. I know there's a lot of people who are now angry about the Sam Bradford trade because, I mean, nobody was complaining about it when the Vikings were five and zero, but you know, now that things have fallen off a little bit, people are griping that they don't have a first round pick now because of the Bradford deal and that sort of thing. But you know, if people don't realize that when the Vikings got to camp, their quarterbacks were Bridgewater, uh, Sean Hill and, uh, Taylor Henicky and, uh, We all know what happened to Bridgewater. Uh, Heineke uh, showed up to camp with his foot in a cast and wound up on the physically unable to perform list. So people don't understand that after the Bridgewater fiasco, uh, if this team doesn't make a trade, they are one hit away from Joel Stave playing meaningful snaps at quarterback. And without the Sam Bradford trade, this is probably a team that, you know, we'd probably be sitting right there with the Bears at three or four wins. Without Sam Bradford at quarterback this year, and Sean Hill is 38 years old, and playing him behind this offensive line, he would have gotten just destroyed. And then, like I said, behind him we have guys like Stave because of the uh, injured injury to Heineke. So, I mean, you know, hindsight is 2020. I understand that, but at the time the deal was made, things were markedly different than they wound up being at the end of the season.
1: So let's talk about the defense here uh, for a moment. I mean, you got off to that great start. Uh, you know the five and zero, you know start for the uh, for the Vikings. That the defense was you know really plugging along, the top unit uh, in the league, and not giving up a lot of points. And then you know as the season kind of wore along, I'm, I'm kind of looking, you know, kind of being reminded of your comments a moment ago. Can't sustain drives, always having penalties and things like that. Does I mean it, just looking at some of the scores here, you know. Uh, you only scored 10 points in the in the losses to Philly and Chicago only 16 points to the loss of Detroit 13 and the other loss to Detroit 15 against Dallas only six to Indianapolis a couple of weeks ago you know was the defense just being worn down I mean even as good as the defense has been um, you know and and was you know highly regarded coming into the season did the lack of any help on the offensive side you know kind of counterbalance and, and negate how good the defense could have been
0: I think that's got to be a lot of it. I mean, there has been some injuries on the defensive side, not nearly to the extent that we've seen on the offensive side of the ball, obviously. But, you know, once uh, once your offense can't stay on the field and your defense is on, constantly on the field, and, you know, the, the defense has had their issue with penalties, too. I mean, Everson Griffin's good for jumping off sides on a third and five at least once a game to give, a, uh, give an opponent a fresh set of downs. Uh, Xavier Rhodes, for as good as he's been, has gotten flagged for a couple of uh, pass interference penalties at bad times. And, you know, like you said, this defense is going to get worn down. And they pretty much go out there every week knowing that if they don't play absolutely perfect football, uh, there's very little chance that this team is going to win because they just don't put up points. And I'm sure that kind of pressure has has played a role in that as well.
1: Yeah. Also, you know, sounds like mirror images of of the bears uh as well our offense has struggled mightily as far as scoring points uh as well i mean uh, you know like you said we 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 basically have very similar stories as to how the teams have played only you got off to a 5 and 0 start were regarded as one of the top teams in the league if not the top team there for a while yeah. the bears on the other hand starting off 0 and 3 no illusions about the team that's taking the field uh on sunday so um you know that i mean talk about that as a fan, you know, just how disappointing it was to be this year's Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons came out of the gate 5-0 and last year and then pretty much had the very similar fate that the Vikings did, you know, two out of the last eight games, finished 7-9 and and, you know, th- didn't even get to the playoffs. And here the Vikings end up being that team this year.
0: I mean, it, it was disappointing for a number of reasons. I mean, there were expectations on this team. Uh, even going into the season and even after what happened with Teddy Bridgewater and then the Sam Bradford trade was made. So this team was still expected uh, to be among the top teams in the NFC, certainly to compete for a uh, division title, which has gone by the boards a couple weeks ago already. But, you know, it, you watch this team go 5-0 and and watch the first game at U.S. Bank Stadium against the Packers in prime time and the way the defense showed up and Bradford making his debut and whatnot – and all the way to them blowing out a Houston team that, you know, say what you want about the AFC South, but that's still a playoff team. So, and they blew them out, and then the bye week came along, and, you know, we look at the power rankings that we take a look at every week, and a lot of people had the Vikings at number one in those rankings, and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, like you say, you go into that Philly game, and all of a sudden people realize that your offensive line is awful and that kind of thing. And, you know, you just kind of slowly slide downhill and, you know, you sit, you sit back and you watch and you know the kind of start this team got off to. And then for just whatever reason, they were not able to get back to that at any point during the season. Uh, on the bright side, I mean, the defensive side of the ball is still uh, fairly young for those Vikings teams. So, you know, if they can get the offensive line problem solved, uh, you know, this team could uh, could be back again as early as next season, I think.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely believe. And speaking of next season, is there any word on the progress of of Teddy Bridgewater? I mean, how far along is he? Is twenty seventeen even a possibility for him at this point?
0: There, there's been a couple reports. I mean, he's been at the been at the games a couple of times. He's been in the locker room. Apparently, he's walking around with. He still has a bit of a limp, which is not unexpected, obviously. But you know, that goes back to the the Bradford deal and. You know, the Vikings and Teddy Bridgewater and everyone else can put as brave a face on this in public as they want to, but I honestly think that if the Vikings had any uh, thoughts about Teddy Bridgewater being ready for the 2017 season, they wouldn't have made the trade for Sam Bradford, and they might have taken their lumps with someone like Sean Hill or finding a lower or lesser quarterback in free agency or making a trade for a quarterback that was not quite up to that caliber. But because Bradford is under contract for the 2017 season, and if you look at his contract, it's, it looks like a lot of money on the surface. But when you look at the, uh, the quarterback hierarchy in the National Football League, I think he's only like the 15th or 16th highest paid quarterback. So the fact that they have Bradford ready to go for 2017, uh, like I said, if they, I believe if they thought Bridgewater was going to be ready for 2017, they wouldn't have made the Bradford trade in the first place. But I don't think they're as optimistic about it behind closed doors as they are out in public. So that that, uh, that kind of sums up where I personally think Bridgewater is at this point. And you know, obviously, I'm not in Minneapolis. I don't know what's going on up close and personal or anything like that. But that's, uh, that's my view of the situation.
1: So going back to the Bradford trade. I personally thought it was insane, not necessarily because Bradford's not a good quarterback, but just because he is or was, I should say. I mean, this year has been an anomaly for for all intents and purposes, but one of the most easily injured quarterbacks in the NFL. Now, whether I was just due to to bad luck, poor health, bad offensive lines in St. Louis and, and, and Philadelphia or what have you, but that was the one reason why I didn't agree with that trade from the outset was that Bradford is a paper doll, he's going to get hurt, and then the Vikings are going to be right back in this spot again. But i got to give Bradford credit, even with the offensive line and the beating that he has had to take each and every Sunday, he's actually been healthy the entire year this year.
0: And that's, that's one of the more surprising things. Of all the people that have gotten hurt on this team, and particularly on the offensive side of the ball, the fact that Bradford is still walking around and healthy and going out there every week and playing all the snaps, And it's kind of miraculous all by itself. I mean, like you said, he's he's torn his ACL twice. Uh, He's perpetually been behind terrible offensive lines, particularly when he was in St. Louis. And, you know, this offensive line might be worse than any of the other offensive lines he's played behind. And yet, barring something crazy happening on Sunday afternoon, uh, he's going to make it through this season relatively unscathed and be ready for 2017.
1: Now, has the, offensive, has the offense really missed uh, Adrian Peterson uh, this year? I mean, even with the offensive line being the way that they are, would it have mattered if Adrian Peterson was healthy throughout the entire season? I mean, I know he would have brought a lot more to the table than the running backs you did have, but he missed all but, what, two or three games so far uh, this season. W- would he have been able to make much of a difference on the offensive side?
0: I honestly don't think he would have made a whole lot of difference. I mean, if you look at his stats going back to the end of last season and then the first couple of games he played this year, uh, he looked like he was already starting to wear down. I mean, I understand that he won the rushing title last year, but the last five or six games of the 2015 regular season, uh, he didn't look like Adrian Peterson. Uh, The playoff game against Seattle, he was relatively terrible. Uh, The first two games this season when he actually played because he got injured in the the Sunday night game against Green Bay, uh, he was averaging, I believe it was 1.6 yards a carry on 30 carries uh, in those in that seven-quarter stretch. So, I mean, with the way the offense has gone this year, and particularly with the switch from Norv Turner to Pat Shermer, because Shermer likes to run his offense out of the shotgun, spreading things out, and that's completely the opposite of what – What generally works for Adrian Peterson, and so I think because of that uh, switch, I mean, maybe Norv doesn't leave if Peterson's there at that point in the season, but he wasn't. So, I mean, I I honestly don't think that Adrian Peterson would have made a heck of a lot of difference this season.
1: Do you think that he'll be back in Minnesota next year? I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that his cap number is is insane. He was hurt this most of the year, and as you said, even when he was healthy, he wasn't as productive as he's been in the past.
0: He has a cap figure of eighteen million dollars this coming season. Uh, the next highest-paid running back in the National Football League doesn't even clear nine million, and there's a greater chance of the Minnesota Vikings giving me eighteen million dollars next season uh, than there is of Adrian Peterson getting that kind of money. Right. I mean, there, there's a chance. There's a chance, I guess, that they could redo his contract, but you know, just just from the way we've seen Adrian Peterson and his representation handle things in the past. He he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who is going to take less money. Maybe I'm misreading him. Maybe I'm not seeing things the right way. But I, frankly, would be surprised if Peterson was back next season, particularly if they do stay with Pat Shermer for the uh, offensive coordinator's position, keep him there full time, because his style of offense just doesn't work for Adrian Peterson. I mean, Peterson likes to line up seven yards behind the line of scrimmage, get ahead of steam, and head toward the line of scrimmage. Uh, The Shermer offense is a lot of shotgun, a lot of read option looks. And, you know, Peterson still, after 10 years in the league, doesn't run well out of the shotgun. He doesn't pass block very well. He's not a great receiver out of the backfield. And, you know, with his cap figure, I mean, unless he decides to take a huge, huge pay cut, uh, I I don't think there's any reason to believe that he's going to be back next season.
1: So, One more thing I wanted to ask you uh, before we look towards 2017 is um, what was the story last week with the whole – we didn't listen to coach Zimmer about covering Jordy Nelson. I mean, there's been conflicting reports, whether it was, it was just the first possession. No, it was the first half. It wasn't until the third or fourth quarter before we finally started covering Jordy Nelson. Then you saw his production go down. What, what exactly as far as you can tell what, what did happen with all of that on Sunday?
0: At, at this point, nobody knows because there's been so many different stories. I mean, right after the game, Uh, When they talked to Mike Zimmer, uh, he said that they fixed the problem at halftime. And then it kind of marinated for a couple of days. And when they came back on Monday or Tuesday to Winter Park to practice, uh, the story became that, well, it was only the first possession, uh, what have you. Uh, Apparently, uh, this was Terrence Newman's idea. Uh, During the week, apparently, Mike Zimmer was saying that Xavier Rhodes was supposed to follow Jordy Nelson everywhere he went. And then when it got to game time, uh, Newman went to Rhodes and said, no, let's just play our regular sides, you don't follow Jordy Nelson because you know, Jordy Nelson's on my side, I can cover him, that kind of thing. I, I'm more tempted to, to lean towards what Zimmer actually said uh, immediately after the game because, you know, it, it's right after it happened, you really haven't had time to, to formulate it. And the only people that really know what happened are uh, Zimmer, Rhodes, Newman, uh, Captain Munnerlin, uh, the rest of that secondary. But, you know, it it doesn't seem right that after, you know, they sat on it for a couple of days that all of a sudden the story changed and, you no, know, it was only one possession and then we got ourselves right and whatever because Jordy Nelson just woke that defense the entire first half. And then the second half, uh, after he had seven catches for 140 something yards in the first half, uh, he had two catches in the second half and he had single digit yardage. In the second half so i i don't know if i buy the whole it was only for one possession sort of story that they were trying to sell uh after you know giving it a couple days and letting everyone i guess get their stories straight and that sort of thing
1: right so with uh with the you know the seven and eight going into the final game the best you can hope for is 500 not going to be good enough for to win the division or make the playoffs this season so this is the grand finale uh for you guys uh as well what is it that you want the Vikings to focus on going into the off season? You know, is it, is it just health that we need on the offensive line? Do we need to upgrade personnel? Are there other places you want to see the Vikings improve as well?
0: Well, as far as the offensive line, I mean, there's a severe need for personnel upgrades. And I think that's where just about all of their energy, uh, at least definitely in free agency, I think their focus is going to be on the offensive line. And I'm sure that once we get to draft day, that's going to be the primary focus too. Because, like I said, T.J. Clemmings has no business being a left tackle in the National Football League. I think if they move the guy to guard and let him stay at guard and concentrate on playing guard, he would be okay, and he might even actually be pretty good as a guard. But you know, he's he played right tackle as a rookie, and he's played left tackle this season, and he's been a disaster at both spots. So. I, I think he's got too much ability to give up on him, but I think he needs to get pushed inside to the guard spot. But even with that being the case, uh, the, the depth on this offensive line is not good. The starters on the offensive line are not good, and that needs to be the primary focus. Uh, as far as anything else, uh, I'd like to see a lot of the younger guys get a little bit of, a, of an opportunity. If Laquan Treadwell is healthy enough, get him out there. Uh, guys like uh, C.J. Ham, uh, the third-string running back, uh, even guys like Rashad Hill the Vikings pulled off of Jacksonville's practice squad earlier this season uh, to possibly help on the offensive line. I'd like to see him get a little bit of time on Sunday because, you know, basically when you're in the situation that the Vikings and the Bears are in where you know this is the final game of the season and you're not going to the playoffs, it's kind of like a preseason game and you want to give guys an opportunity to kind of get into a live fire situation and see what they can do and I don't know if Mike Zimmer is going to uh, go along with that sort of thing or not, but if he if he was inclined to do so, that's definitely something I'd like to see.
1: So, my last question for you is kind of a two parter. Number one, do you know where the Vikings sit right now with their draft order at, at this point?
0: I believe that if the season ended today, the pick they would be sending to Philadelphia would be number oh. fourteen.
1: That's right. You guys, do yeah, they to... they don't
0: have their first rounder. Their their right. first pick is not going to be until the middle of the second round fortunately thanks to last year's draft uh, they do have an extra third rounder and an extra fourth rounder uh, both coming from Miami uh, who's in a who's one of the playoff teams in the AFC so you know we don't know where their picks are going to be yet but they will be in the, uh, the lower half of the uh, third and the fourth rounds
1: Okay, well, that kind of negates my next question because I've, as a Bear fan who's been, you know, kind of circling the bowl for the rest of the season, you know, pretty much since before the first Vikings game, I've had my Bear brethren telling me that, or saying that, uh, well, you know, we hope that the Bears, you know, we don't want the Bears to lose because we want the best possible pick. So my question was going to be, so let me just get your thoughts on this. My question was going to be, would you prefer the Vikings not win to get the higher pick or would you just, you know, as a fan, you want to see your team win on Sunday?
0: We've had this debate at DN before for years. I mean, like back in 2013, uh, the team started out like seven and people are like, Oh, they should start tanking games so that they can get themselves the highest draft pick they can possibly get. And maybe it's just me, but I've, I've never understood that mentality. If the Vikings were 0-15 going into this week against Chicago, I would want them to finish the season 1-15. If they're 14-1 going into the final game, I want them to finish 15-1. And and I I watch this game and I watch this team in the hopes that I can sit down and watch them win on Sunday afternoons or Monday nights or whatever it is. And the the idea that you're going to get 53 football players to consciously get together and decide that they're going to lose on purpose to me seems just absurd because in a league like the National Football League you're always playing for your next contract you're always playing for you know for a guy whose contract is up at the end of the season you're playing for 31 other teams and you know if they look at the film they have on you and they see Oh, well, this guy, when the going got tough or when things weren't quite as meaningful, they just kind of decided to quit. That, that's just a mentality that I can't possibly imagine a national Football League player having. But as a fan, I, I want to see my team win. And like I said, if I mean the Vikings are seven and eight going into this week, I hope they finish eight and eight. I would rather see them finish eight and eight than seven and nine just because I like watching the Vikings win football games. and that's why uh, I think that's why we all watch this sport quite honestly.
1: Amen to you, sir. I mean, I've uh, I feel like I've been in the minority with this. Thankfully, the 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 other people that I've asked about this have agreed with me in in the fact that you know I want to see my team win on Sunday. You know, losing and and getting a higher draft draft position is you know at best at best a silver lining to the situation. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like oh well, you know, unfortunately the Bears didn't pull it out. They're three and thirteen. Uh, the good news is we're picking third overall in the first round. So we're going to get a, you know, a good prospect, but I don't care. I want the bears to win on Sunday. And number, if we win, we finish at 500 in the division and we sweep the Vikings for the first time since 2011. I would much rather see that than pick third overall in the first round uh, in April. So uh, uh, you and I are definitely on the same page uh, on that front. So and, and
0: don't get me wrong. I, I, I under I understand that people love their draft picks and everything because you know draft picks are shiny and new and make everyone happy and that sort of thing but I mean we've seen over the years you have just as much chance of drafting a screw up at number 1 or number 3 or number 6 or whatever as you do drafting it you know 25 or 27 or anywhere else I and mean, just because you have a higher first round pick doesn't automatically mean your front office is going to not screw it up or whatever so You know, why not cheer for your team to win and hope that, you know, when it gets right down to it, your general manager and the rest of your coaching staff picks the right guy regardless of what position they're at there. I mean, the the tanking games has never made sense to me, and I I would probably never accept that kind of argument, I don't think.
1: And I would agree with you. Thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate you coming back, and uh, we look forward to having you back on real soon.
0: All right. Well, thanks for having me, Larry. I appreciate it.
1: Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman helping us preview the Bears and the Vikings for week number 17. And as usual, we want to thank uh, Chris Gates, our guest, for uh, for being on the show and uh, always enjoy. Uh, talking to chris and having all of my other nfc north brethren on the show uh jeremy and evan and 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 chris are like my you know my favorite guests to have on the show which is nice because they're the guys that i have to talk to the most uh in in doing this thing but um you know this is usually the section that i reserve for for my you know strategy if you will on, on how i feel like the bears uh what they need to do in order to succeed on sunday and and really it's it's just a matter of you know something i mentioned earlier in the show something i mentioned several times is that uh, i mean if we just go back to the first meeting between these two teams jordan howard was the primary focus of the offense 153 yards rushing he rushed the football over 20 times in that football game in fact the only three wins that the bears have this year jordan howard carried the ball over 20 times in all three of those wins the first one over detroit the big win over minnesota on monday night football and a couple of weeks ago he had over 30 carries against the uh the 49ers as well so i mean you know it's not the when jordan howard rushes for over 100 yards the bears win because he's done that six or seven times this season It's when Jordan Howard carries the ball over 20 times, then that means, you know, the Bears are controlling the clock. The Bears are, you know, winning (laughs) football games. So uh, on offense, that would be, you know, that would be it, especially uh, against a defense as good as what the Vikings have to offer to go back and try to exploit what we did in that game, you know, where we had one of the best defenses in football. It's like it was that was one of the more mind boggling things about that game was that defensively, we thought the Vikings were going to ragdoll the Bears all over the place. And here we are running it down their throats uh, in, in that game. So whatever it was that we were doing uh, in that football game, that's what we need to do again as far as controlling, controlling the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And you heard Chris talk about how, you know, this offensive line is a huge concern. We sacked Bradford, what, five, six times in that game? You know, if if we just go back to doing what we did in that first game, um, you know, the the location uh, of uh, or, you know, the setting of the game shouldn't matter that much. You know, this has always been a home and home series, or traditionally it has been, at least for the last decade, if not more, uh, between these two teams. The Bears always win in Chicago, the Vikings always win uh, in Minnesota. But there have been sweeps before, and we heard me mention when I talked to Chris this could be the first one that we uh, pull off on the Vikings since uh, 2011. And and at that point, that was part of a stretch where the Bears had won like six or seven games in a row uh, against the Vikings. We swept them in 2010. Uh, as well so you know it's just uh, to, to to control the line of scrimmage because that's what we did in the first game uh, on, on, on defense for the Bears we got after Bradford and you know five six sacks in that football game and it, it turned out to be a positive thing in my opinion that the Bears couldn't generate a turnover in that game because then the Vikings and their fans not that they're known for being uh, crybabies or anything but you know really couldn't rely on anything else you know you couldn't sit there and say well if the Vikings didn't turn the football over this many times we would have won the game well you didn't turn the football over the Bears just beat the Vikings straight up uh, in that game and um, you know I would like to see the Bears kind of do it again I don't see a reason why they couldn't to be honest with you Uh, Matt Barkley being out there it was Jay Cutler's first game back off the injury and all that kind of stuff Matt Barkley being there and Jay Cutler not I don't see that being as big uh, a difference as as far as that goes Jordan Howard and and everybody it's still the same so uh, that's what I would like to see you know keep feeding the ball to Jordan Howard the Bears dominate the line of scrimmage Uh, you know just be consistent with it I mean it's just because Matt Bartley can throw the ball doesn't mean that we should be throwing the ball 70% uh of the time. We have a we have a running back that's rushed for over 1100 yards is 61 yards away. I looked it up. 61 yards away uh from breaking the single season rushing record for a rookie uh with the franchise and you know, we should make every attempt to let him do it uh, at this point. I mean, what else do we have to hold on to? You know, we we the things that we're going for, I think, are easily accomplishable uh, for the Bears. You know, get Jordan Howard that rookie rushing record. Get the 500 for on. You know, 500 for the for the season in the division. We were only one in five a year ago. Don't go winless on the road this season. We're 0 and 7. This is our last shot and get our first sweep on the Vikings in 2011. So a lot can be accomplished in this last game. You know. And uh, we'll worry about what our draft spot is afterwards. You know, right now we sit at three, and, you know, the rumor is uh, based on the finish of other teams could be anywhere from third to sixth if the Bears win uh, on Sunday. So be it. You know, we'll make that – we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I'm worried about watching the Bears win on – I don't want to watch them lose. I just – I don't sit and watch these games and pray for them to lose. It's just stupid to me. So anyway, that's what I uh, am looking forward to uh, on Sunday, and hopefully the Bears can uh, put it together and uh, get 2017 kicked off the right way. Uh, I remember um, Lovey famously saying, uh, I think the Bears had to play on January 1st at the end of the 2011 season after the Bears beat the Vikings in the season finale that year. Um, he famously said, well, we're 1-0 in 2012, so... Let's go ahead and be 1-0 and in 2017 with a victory over the Minnesota Vikings and uh, accomplish all of those things. Let's be 3-3 and in the division. Let's uh, not be winless on the road for the first time in franchise history. Uh, let's get a sweep over the Vikings, and let's get Jordan Howard that rookie rushing record. So that is going to do it for the Week 17 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Uh, still don't know what I'm going to do for the year in review episode. If I'm just going to do it, myself I'm going to start trying to bring a guest or two uh in. I know Lauren Cox would definitely uh be able to come back on the show uh again if we want to try to get Jeff Dickerson back or whatever. So I mean, do we just want to, you know, get it over with <laughs> and and be like, "Yep, this happened, season's over, see you next time or or whatever." But um, you know, I'm I'm still debating on it. We'll talk more about it uh in the review episode. Uh, on Monday, so come back on Monday, and I promise it will be Monday uh, this time. No more, uh, no more holidays and 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 road travel or anything like that. I was in Indiana at my dad's place uh, for the holiday, so it made things uh, tough. Uh, you know, uh, being around family and all that kind of stuff didn't really have an opportunity to pull myself away. But um, you know, we'll be back on Monday for real this time to recap this game between the Bears and the Vikings and see how it all shakes out. So until then. My name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review.